Um, at the Canadian Club, we have a 115-year history of hosting provoking discussions on issues that matter to Canadians. At the start of every season, we aim to advance discussions on relevant public policy topics of the day. Um, and I think it's fair to say that today's lunch hits that proverbial ball right out of the park. Um, I don't think anyone in this room would like to take credit for the recent StatsCan uh, report on job losses, um, but it surely does push today's topic and the Mowat Center's report to the forefront of public debate in Canada. During the first mandate of Jean Chrétien's government, unemployment insurance became employment insurance, and a number of changes were made to the program. There have been tweaks and small refinements since then, Recently, for example, Stephen Harper's government made short-term adjustments to the program in response to the 2008 recession. But the question is, are those changes enough? And I think we're going to hear today that they're not. With changes to the labour market and to the global economy, it is time to talk about how to renew employment insurance so that it better serves Canadians. The emphasis has to move from being a stopgap me stop method of income to support to something that focuses on helping Canadians find and keep full-time meaningful jobs. The report before us today is the result of over a year and a half of consultation and research. It could not have arrived in front of Canadian policymakers at a better moment. To reveal and discuss the findings and the recommendations of the task force, we're privileged to have a wonderful panel with us here today. The Honourable Roy Romano served as Premier from, of Saskatchewan from 1991 to 2001 and also headed the Federal Commission on the Future of Healthcare in Canada. Um, for many of us, of course, Mr. Romano, you are remembered for the crucial and critical role you played in the patriation of our Constitution and the adoption of the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Um, Ratna Amidvar exemplifies in all of her pursuits a dedication to helping immigrants in this country find jobs that match their skills. Um, she personifies that in diversity there is strength. Um, she currently serves as the president of Maytree, a private foundation that promotes equality through policy development grants and programs. Matthew Mendelssohn, our third panelist, is the founding director of the Mowat Center, whose purpose is to challenge the policy assumptions of the last century and ensure that Canada is competitive as we go forward in this century. Previously, he was the Deputy Minister for Intergovernmental Affairs and the Associate Secretary to the Cabinet in the Government of Ontario, and of somewhat lesser acclaim, my former politics professor at Queen's University. <laughs> There's nowhere to go but up, Matthew. <laughs> um, we'll begin with a short presentation from each of our panelists, after which we will turn over the discussion to question and answers with you. Um, on each of your tables should be a bunch of question cards that look something like this. Um, so as they occur to you, please write your questions on these cards and, and raise them up and a volunteer will come and collect them. Um, at the end of the panel's uh, remarks, it will be my job to ensure we get as many questions in as possible. Um, so without further ado, it is now my honour to turn the podium over to the panel. Thank you. Thank you, Alison, for that warm welcome, and thank you all for turning out for this riveting package of policy proposals. I've always thought that Canada holds 
so many surprises for people who were not born here. And one of the more pleasant surprises is our enviable social safety net that looks after us in times of sickness, uh, old age, and need. The employment insurance system is part of that enviable social safety net with the intended purpose of protection for workers who lose their jobs so that they can get quickly back on their feet. Sadly, though, that promise goes unfulfilled today for many, not intentionally or out of malice of any kind, but more as a, as a result of an unintended outcome of policies that have not stayed in, t in tune with our changing times. The EI system that we currently have was designed for a time and for a labor market that no longer exists. Single earner households with males in full-time permanent employment who suffered occasional job losses. 30 years later, our reality is very different. Women make up a significant portion of our workforce. Immigration and the rise of the knowledge and service-based economy have created fundamental shifts in the labor market. Part-time jobs, self-employment, multiple jobs, these are, this is the reality for many workers today. Many people who pay into the EI system have variable access to benefits, depending largely on where they live. In 1981, 86% of workers were able to access EI. In 2010, this number had sunk to 46%. So our proposals are relatively simple and aim to provide useful, timely, and much-needed solutions. So as a first proposal, we propose one national system with a single national entry requirement and standard duration, regardless of where you live, much like other systems such as the child tax benefit or old age security. Further, we don't think that young workers and new Canadians should face higher bar barriers uh, to benefits that are enjoyed by other Canadians. Those left out of the EI system, those who can't pay into it, uh, should have protection against sudden income loss. That is why we are recommending a flexible, nimble, and repayable form of EI, temporary unemployment assistance that is separate from the employment insurance system. EI is also not well designed for workers who are facing structural decline and sometime elimination of their sectors. That is why the task force recommends experimenting with ways to help workers who have held the same job for many years but find themselves suddenly unemployed. This package of reform also provides fairness to temporary foreign workers and people with disabilities. It provides flexibility to parents taking parental leave and creates more training opportunities for Canadian workers across the country. I am really pleased to have served as an advisor, as a mere advisor to this task, to this task force, and I know that Roy welcomes and, and joins me in thanking Matthew Mendelssohn and his incredible team for put, bringing us to this point with policy innovations that are creative, practical, and fiscally responsible, and position EI as a tool for national unity instead of regional disparities and discrepancies. A redesigned EI system will work for Canada today and will prepare us for Canada tomorrow. Thank you.
Thank you very much, uh, Ratna. Thank you, Roy. Thank you, everyone, for being here. Uh, as people would understand, this is the culmination of a long process. And unlike uh, many Canadian club presentations um, where someone is coming and sharing their own ideas, um, I'm not really sharing only my own ideas. I am a vessel and a channel for this report. Um, and this report is the product of enormous work from enormous people, men, uh, not enormous people, excuse me. Um, well, a couple of them are enormous. Uh, they're, they're some with enormous egos. Um, uh, that's, that's me, by the way. Um, but uh, uh, enormous work and great dedication from uh, people who worked on the report, John Meadow, Mary Davis, Josh Yarrison, the whole uh, Mowat Center team, Neville McGuire, but also our advisory group, many of whom are in this room, and our researchers, again, many of whom are in this room and are sharing um, uh, this moment with us as we present uh, these, uh, these findings. Um, I want to thank Allison for making this podium available. This is always a good podium to connect with uh, a, a wide group of people. And just for the record, Allison, the highlight of my career was teaching you. It has been all downhill from there. Um, we at the Mowat Center know a great deal about employment insurance. Uh, we probably know as much as anybody knows about employment insurance at this point. But what was striking to me this morning as I did a series of interviews uh, coast to coast on CBC uh, radio um, was before each interview, some of you may have participated in this process, where you start the East Country and you move West, um, before each interview, whether I was talking to Gander uh, or Winnipeg or Vancouver or Yellowknife, I'd go onto the HRSDC website and check what the eligibility arrangements were in that uh, community. And you can see the map. Um, and for those of you who aren't uh, familiar with this, uh, Employment Insurance Canada is divided into 58 uh, economic zones which condition how long you have to work um, and how generous your benefits are, um, how long you can keep benefits. Um, and as I went through and clicking this, uh, the, the anomaly of employment insurance becomes even more stark as you click through maps where... Um, People in Winnipeg, for example, we did, uh, we did a Winnipeg uh, talk this morning. Um, someone in Winnipeg um, qualifies for benefits that are completely different than someone 10 minutes north of Winnipeg um, who qualifies for benefits that are quite different from someone who is 10 minutes south of Winnipeg. So people um, working in the same firm for the same amount of time, laid off at exactly the same time, um, would seek quite different benefits. And we just don't think that this is consistent with the expectations that Canadians have about social policy and equality of treatment, whereby the federal government undertakes national federal social policy in ways uh, that, uh, that further equality. Let's see if this works. Whenever Mowat Center organizes uh, a presentation, uh, it tends that the PowerPoint doesn't work. But this one looks like it is. So uh, uh, again, we made a good choice joining the Canadian Club. You have better technological skills uh, than, uh, than we do. Um, I want to talk a little bit first about why EI is so important and getting it right is so important. EI is at the junction between economic and social policy. EI is a key policy tool to both deliver on the promise of a social safety net that Ratna uh, spoke about, but also as an important labor market tool to encourage labor mobility, to encourage labor uh, market attachment. Um, so it is so important that we get it right. 
Um, it is also so consistent with our core values. There are almost no, no Canadians who would say that uh, if someone loses a job through no fault of their own, they shouldn't have some kind of social protection that allows them to look for new work and reattach themselves to the labor market. So um, the issue for us, as Ratna has pointed out, is not that, um, the f that any one government of any stripe or any bureaucracy or any set of decision makers has had any malice, um, but we are going through profound social um, and cultural changes in the nature of the country and the nature of the labor market, and the social policy architecture of that has not kept up in some important ways. And so the question for us is how we continue to deliver on that promise of a social safety net and um, effective labor market policy um, in, in ways that respond to the new world of work and, and the new Canada. Um, and uh, we think, as uh, Ratna has pointed out, that some of the things that uh, we uh, are presenting are ones that would really allow us to fulfill that promise um, in a better way. So I would say that we do have a key opportunity right now to reconstruct a key piece of our social and economic policy architecture. I think that the ground beneath us is already shifting. I think the debate around employment insurance is already shifting. It may not be apparent um, uh, to everyone on a day-to-day -day basis, um, but it is uh, becoming increasingly clear um, that uh, uh, workers in urban areas with precarious employment um, who are now uh, clustering uh, around our, bigger, uh, our biggest cities um, uh, should not be asked to carry an unfair burden for an employment insurance system um, that may encourage um, uh, uh, seasonal work um, or other intermittent work patterns in, in other communities. Our principles were pretty simple. We wanted to be there when workers needed it. We wanted to contribute to a labor, uh, a dynamic labor force and productivity, and we wanted it to treat all Canadians uh, equitably. And as Ratna has pointed out, uh, that leaves us with a bottom line recommendation of uh, a need to create a nationally standardized EI system that would be supplemented by new benefits that would help those who are currently outside the EI umbrella and not well served uh, by the current system. As Ratna has pointed out, EI is not keeping pace uh, with the Canada of today. Um, fewer and fewer people are covered, and that's not necessarily just EI's fault. That is about transitions that have taken place in the broader Canadian economy. Um, the growth in a variety and diversity of employment, um, huge growth in urbanization and immigration, um, and uh, workers in many places um, have access to far fewer benefits for far less time, um, and a growing diversity in the labor market, uh, which creates opportunities for us, I think, to uh, begin to look at how we can tailor benefits in ways that are uh, client-centered, flexible, and respond to the needs of a much more diverse uh, workplace. Uh, the concerns that were driving us were the large number of people that are not covered and the large number of people that pay for benefits for which they have almost no chance of qualifying. Um, we are concerned about uh, the complexity of a system that is not client-centered, um, that uh, is uh, difficult for individual workers and businesses to understand uh, why they're entitled to benefits or how they access benefits. Um, and as I pointed out, um, the unprincipled anomalies do create real tensions in various communities as someone in Halifax and someone just outside of Halifax are entitled to quite different suites of benefits. 
We are also building in Canada a much more elaborate social policy architecture of, uh, of parental leave, of training benefits, of compassionate leave. Many of these are delivered through EI, and many of these, therefore, are not available to huge numbers of workers. So the question is whether we can find ways to deliver programs uh, and these benefits uh, that we apparently as a society are committed to offering and are important uh, entitlements and components of a modern labor force in ways uh, that respond and serve the needs of um, more workers. Uh, as we're also very aware, um, for those in the policy wonk world, um, the, uh, the current funding uh, model um, is exacerbating uh, recessions because it has to be balanced over a fiscal year. Um, and so uh, uh, it, uh, it, it is uh, uh, pro-cyclical, which I think no one wants, and the federal government has made a commitment to address this, and they're currently uh, undertaking consultations uh, to fix uh, the funding and governance structure. But that was another concern that was driving uh, our findings. Um, we think we need in Canada a better, more robust human capital strategy, um, and with the devolution of labor market training programs from the federal government to the province, but coupled with that devolution was a requirement that those programs could only be delivered to EI recipients or those who are eligible for EI. It creates enormous pressure now on a diversity of provinces that are actually delivering the programs, trying to develop human capital strategies, trying to upskill people, trying to fill labor shortages. Um, but uh, most of those funds are not available to be deployed in flexible, nimble ways to deal with workers who need additional skills, um, who may be long-term unemployed, who may have part-time work, but who are not part of uh, the uh, EI, uh, officially the EI system. Um, uh, we also think that uh, the issues of structural transformation, particularly in Ontario in the manufacturing sector but elsewhere, have created huge concerns as people may have paid into EI for 30 years um, and at the end of the day if uh, they are seeing a fundamental transformation in their sector are eligible uh, for benefits that we consider uh, not commensurate with the length of time that they have contributed and participated in the labor market and we are interested in whether there are more creative ways of encouraging labor market attachment uh, for these uh, workers. And I think there's also uh, an additional reality that must be acknowledged, which is that for many sectors in globally competitive information uh, sectors, um, many businesses in globally competitive information sectors, they're probably paying premiums um, that uh, uh, undermine the competitiveness of their business to support and subsidize um, others, other businesses that are using EI as an ongoing income supplementation system um, to design their workforce and part of their business strategy designed around seasonal work and uh, um, predicted layoffs of people that are being subsidized um, by many of the businesses that are now looking to create jobs uh, and employ people in globally competitive sectors. I would say that the overview of our recommendations is that we think they are balanced, realistic, and fiscally responsible. Um, there are some costs with some of them, but we do believe that they can be calibrated based on government preference um, and, um, and economic situation of the day. Um, our proposals are architectural in nature. We don't say how long someone should have to work in order to collect benefits. Uh, different governments will have different preferences, and those things will evolve. That should probably be different in the middle of a recession, in the middle of an economic boom. Um, so we are getting at the core of the program and saying how should it be designed uh, in ways uh, that um, uh, work and are consistent with the modern uh, labor market. 
what we aspire to is to see a system of unemployment assistance join uh, the other federal uh, social programs, Canada Pension Plan, Quebec Pension Plan, Old Age Security, uh, Guaranteed Income Supplement, Working Income Tax Benefit, um, uh, the National Child Benefit. These uh, programs that are now key pieces of uh, the Canadian landscape that have been embraced by people in all parties and across um, uh, the ideological spectrum and people may have disagreements or disputes about their level of generosity or whether they need to be redesigned but they are not sources of interregional tension where uh, workers across the country think that someone else is getting a better deal uh, than they are um, and we think that this is a key opportunity uh, to help create that um, kind of program. As we've said, as Ratna said, the core of our recommendation is one national program to treat workers equally um, and that um, uh, within a strengthened architecture, uh, the level and duration of benefits could be adjusted to um, uh, reflect government preference at the time uh, or economic conditions. Uh, we think that those who are left out of the EI umbrella, which represent a growing number of workers, which represent a growing number of workers clustered around large cities, which represent a growing number of young workers, and which represent a growing number of uh, new Canadian workers, um, and also uh, new immigrants who may not be Canadian citizens yet, um, that many of these uh, people are left out entirely of the EI umbrella. And I'm very proud that we have had people from uh, across the political spectrum and from a variety of different uh, partisan orientations uh, recognize that a form of temporary un unemployment assistance structured as a repayable uh, income contingent loan uh, that people outside of EI could access in a quick, nimble way uh, if they have short-term income needs provides a step forward um, uh, in our income security architecture and it can be designed in a variety of different ways that would um, be either more generous or less generous, more repayable or less repayable um, uh, depending on government preference of, uh, the, uh, of the day. Um, we are proposing that the government uh, begin to test a system called wage insurance which allows long-tenured workers who have contributed over a lifetime uh, to draw some money out of EI to supplement their income if they take jobs uh, that are significantly lower in pay. So the challenge for long-tenured workers is often not finding a job, but adjusting to a new economic situation if their sector has basically gone through a transformation. Um, and wage insurance is a short-term transition mechanism that will allow workers to adjust uh, and stay attached uh, to uh, to the labor market. We think that we need a national human capital strategy in Canada and a national human capit capital strategy given that uh, training funds have been devolved to the provinces requires provinces to work together but also to develop their own human capital strategies and training programs and ensure that they're accessible to anyone. Here in the GTA it might mean ensuring that training programs are more available uh, for uh, newcomers, for part-time workers, um, many of whom are outside the EI umbrella. Uh, we think that this would strengthen the Canadian Economic Union. We have a whole series of additional recommendations and I look 
and I encourage you to uh, read uh, our report uh, in detail. Uh, we think that temporary foreign workers need to be treated fairly. I'm, I'm offended as a Canadian that we ask temporary foreign workers to come here and pay for benefits, um, pay premiums for benefits that they can't access. Um, and so we think probably the best solution um, is to integrate them fully into the EI system, particularly given that temporary foreign workers in many parts of the country are now increasingly um, having their permits renewed, changing jobs, and behaving much more like, uh, uh, like other landed workers. Um, we propose uh, flexibility around sickness leave to allow people with disabilities to, uh, uh, to uh, get a medical certification once that they have a, a, a chronic disability and be able to take some of the sickness leave through EI um, on, uh, without requalifying in part days, one day here, one day there. We think we have labor market shortages coming up and we think we need to find ways of encouraging people with disabilities, um, who, many of whom obviously want to be uh, in employment, to stay in the workforce. Um, we uh, are proposing flexibility around parental leave. Um, people here who work in the private sector would know that many people in the private sector don't have employer top-ups um, uh, if they want to uh, stay home uh, with a child, and this creates much shorter parental leaves in the uh, private sector for many workers. Uh, and so what we are proposing is uh, a system whereby uh, new parents could take longer benefits um, with uh, uh, less weekly benefit or shorter benefit um, period uh, with greater benefit to encourage more people um, to be able to take advantage of the parental leave benefits that we have available. We propose a variety of transparency reporting, uh, the testing of pilots, um, governance reforms that um, uh, we think will strengthen the transparency and ability of Canadians uh, to understand how the EI system works. Um, we think our recommendations are rooted in the new Canadian realities. Um, we think they are based on the same principles as other successful federal social programs. Um, they are rooted in the belief that all uh, workers um, uh, should be treated equally in a shared sense of identity. Um, and we think, depending on how they're adjusted, can be fiscally prudent um, and done flexibly. Um, we think in the end they'll strengthen the Canadian Economic Union, the Canadian social uh, safety net, and promote the equality of individuals, promote a client-centered approach to the delivery of important social benefits. Um, we think that the federal government could move forward um, uh, and has an opportunity. Um, we recognize the politics of this issue are challenging and they require respectful conversation and perhaps transition mechanisms um, to ease uh, the transition to a new program. Um, but we think we need social policy architecture designed for the labor market of the 21st century, not the 20th, um, and we hope you'll support us. Thanks. Madam Chair, um, after listening to the presentations by Ratna and by Matthew, I am reminded of the time when I was in active politics and being introduced one time by a well-meaning chair who said something like this. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we've heard these wonderful speeches. Now that all of the good things are over, here's our next speaker, Romanov. <laughs> I'm not sure that I can add very much, but I do want to be here by my presence and by a very few brief words to lend my complete support to this tremendous project by MOET and by all of those who assisted it. I want to thank, uh, first of all, the Toronto Canadian Club uh, for maintaining its concern about the future of Canada, a progressive Canada and a united Canada, 
I remember full well in the debates in the late 1970s and 1980s when we were going through a very difficult and challenging time in Canadian unity history. One of the areas and centers of major concern was a Canadian club, and you're still with it talking about the issues which bind Canada together, make it strong, and make it very progressive, and I congratulate you in that regard. One other word again of support and congratulations to Matthew and Moet, and aided by Keith Banting, one of our great intellectuals. Uh, the team that was put together on Matthew was first rate, and this report, I think, is going to be very difficult for those who would want to challenge and test it to have holes poked into it. It's been a delight to be associated with such a group of distinguished Canadian academics and scholars and people who are committed to improving this great uh, country. Well, I would say the following. This report uh, is an approach which is founded on and based on Canadian values. As has been said, there, said already, there are three principles which drive this report as I see it. One, unemployment insurance assistance must be there when workers need it. Number two, the program should encourage labor market attachment and the full utilization of our human capital. And number three, it should be equitable. To me, these three standards, these three commitments, really are the principles which are core to Canada's values. If someone loses their job in this country, there should be a safety net for them. And our social programs should help people get back on their feet and back to work as quickly as possible. So here we have an opportunity to build a strengthened new national program, one that is a source of national unity rather than, as Matthew has indicated, regional division. And I got involved because of my interest and commitment to this particular project and the way it's been framed and produced. It's my strong personal belief that one of the great goals of federal, provincial, social policy, Canadian policy, should be to, should be to transcend interprovincial and interregional divisions and foster common social citizenship. The federal government working in concert with the provinces, it's a messy business sometimes called cooperative federalism, sometimes confrontational federalism, has nonetheless achieved much in the past to attain these goals. I think of the Canada Pension Plan, Quebec Pension Plan, Old Age Security, the Guaranteed Income Supplement, the National Child Benefit, and I can go on. These are examples where the orders of government pushed by the citizenry of Canada have made a Canada which is more equal, more fair, more full of opportunity for people, regardless of their place of residence or their place of origin. And then there have been recent additional developments as well, the modernizing income security for working age adults process, to name one, the working income tax benefit, to name another, and one could go on. This is progress, and this is the way Canada is built, and this report stands full square right in the history, tradition, and looking to the future of this which has been accomplished, and as, I, as I've talked about or identified. But we know that EI stands out. That's clear, I think, by the presentations by Ratna and by Matthew. It is unique amongst federal income supports in its differential treatment of workers across the country. Differential. We are not the first to find that differentiated benefits cannot be justified on economic and social grounds 
and that they politicize the program in ways that make sensible reforms more challenging, if not impossible. Moreover, we all know that we're living in uncertain economic times. Canada's had remarkable good fortune compared to others in the world, but we know too many of our fellow Canadians are falling through the cracks, as they say, in our social safety net, and all of this must change. Friends, more money is not always a solution to the problems, and the reforms proposed by the task force here are not based on that alone. They're not just sound social policy. They are those two. They are also reforms which are based on the importance of a skilled workforce and importantly, most importantly, a strengthened economic union and a more just and fair Canada. The changes outlined are realistic. They are fiscally responsible. They are good for business. They're good for every one of us. They will strengthen the safety net for Canadians. While my own preference might have been to have erred on a little more of the recommendations with respect to some of the generosity benefits, I don't worry about that. What's important is that the report has set the framework and the groundwork for taking that and other matters into consideration. And by this report, Ottawa can undertake leadership and undertake significant nation-building steps through such a new national program as Matthew has articulated today. This would be a tremendous legacy and a major contribution to national unity, something which we always must be mindful of in this country. Of course, as Matthew has pointed out, the politics are always challenging, maybe on this issue more so than others, but that shouldn't stop us from taking this on and taking it on dead on, head on, and going right at it. The current program is simply not working well. It's worse than not working well. There are just too wide disparities and too many who are left aside. If we approach the issue with sensitivity, open dialogue and accommodation, and based on carefully thought out principles and research, as this tremendous academic work has done, and if we understand what we are as Canadians, we're all sharing the same destiny together, regardless of where we come from and what our backgrounds are, taking all of those into, all of those into consideration, we can move forward in making this happen. And I believe that we shall move forward in making it happen. So in closing, I would say this, we know that there are challenging economic times as stated, but I hope that you will join us, not only the club members, but through your various other associations, in seizing this opportunity based on this excellent work to transition toward a strengthened national program, one that truly reflects the Canada of today and to walk tomorrow a plan that reflects the true basic values of this great country. And together, we can do it. I'm honored to have been a small part of this process, and thank you very much for listening to me, and good luck. Uh, thank you very much. Um, 
wonderful panel and wonderful provocative uh, discussion. Um, as promised, we'll uh, spend a, a few minutes. I see lots of people sharpening their pencils and writing down cards, uh, their questions. So perhaps as we begin, I'll, I'll start, if I may, Mr. Romano, with a question to you. Um, well, this. Well, you're free to answer it instead, Ratna, if you'd like. Um, I this, take all the easy questions. She'll take the hard ones. Well, I'll make sure this is an easy one, um, sort of. Uh, this, uh, this report seems um, full of two things that we know all federal pr pr uh, politicians love. The first is that it will um, cause a bit of money, um, and the second is that it will involve lots of uh, negotiations with the different regions of the country. Um, so I'd be curious, um, just for your f reflections on why a, a federal politician today should take this up and how they should go about doing it. Are you sure this is an easy yeah. question? <laughs> um, this is a difficult country to, uh, to govern, and the question is why should federal politicians uh, take it up? First of all, uh, my own personal belief about Canada's growth is based on this concept. We are a federation and there are two orders of government, obviously, Ottawa and the provincial governments. Note the word that I use, not two levels, but two orders. And there are one of two ways in which we progress with respect to social policy, economic policy, which I think defines our values that I tried to address. Uh, the two choices are that the two orders of government do not speak to each other and they do their things more or less unilaterally, which I think provokes and stimulates a lot of regional differences, of which, by the way, this program has been already highlighted, as Matthew's pointed out. There is no other way but to get in and to do, follow the other approach, and that is sometimes calling, calling it confrontational federalism, sometimes cooperative federalism. In my experience, there is no other way around building this country but having the provinces, the territories, led by the federal government, they speak for all of us, fashioning the reforms that this report is called for. This may be heresy to say, uh, Matthew and Keith, maybe not all the recommendations which are set out herein, but I think that the premiers, in my experience, even coming from different perspectives, will be able to shave off the differences, minimize the disagreements, and revise and revamp this program in a fundamentally important way, as the report indicates. And finally, on the question of money. On the issue of money, it is substantial, there is no doubt about it, but it pales in comparison to the money and the cost to society with people who are left out there without jobs, not contributing, let alone their personal well-being and the way they approach it, all of that money pales in comparison to, the, to the, the, the current situation and not tackling it. I think we can benefit both ways by this cooperative entanglement or constructive entanglement or, if you will, cooperative federalism. We can strengthen the country in that way. And what a great way to do it around a program which I think cuts across political ideologies, essentially, because it speaks to a fundamental, a fundamental Canadian value. At least that's been my experience in the years that I've been around, and I don't think Canada's changed that very much, that it still can't be practiced this time around, too. Thank you. So I've just been told we have 10 minutes for questions, so perhaps to, uh, to help um, move that along, if, if uh, mind just staying seated, we will save a little time there. 
Um, a question from the audience. In, in addition or separate from the political support, what other support is required to get these recommendations implemented? Um, and whose support is, is absolutely critical? Uh, I, I think that um, the, the design of the recommendations uh, is intended to appeal both to uh, the left and the right, conservatives, uh, liberals, across the political spectrum, across political parties. I think uh, it also requires business and labor. Business and labor are both um, deeply invested um, in uh, the employment insurance system. Employment insurance, as we know, is paid um, and funded through payroll taxes um, that uh, people here pay. Um, and so uh, both uh, labor and business um, have to be uh, brought in um, and see that it's in their uh, that it's in their mutual interests. Um, but I would also say um, that the uh, proposals suggested here are instinctive common sense uh, in most of the country. Um, but there are uh, regions um, that have historically relied on employment insurance as a form of ongoing income support. Um, and have uh, many communities have structured their economies in that way and the businesses in that way. Um, and uh, the number and percentage is going down. And I think there is a new sense of optimism and economic growth and labor market shortage, labor shortages in many places, uh, where um, there is a growing recognition that that kind of model of income support that we may have done in the 60s or 70s is simply not sustainable. Uh, but it will require dialogue with all regions of the country. Um, and it may require um, transition mechanisms to, uh, to help communities um, prepare for the 21st century. Um, I'm going to merge two questions together. We, there, there are some wonderful ones here um, that are both about if you considered other things in preparing this report. Um, so the first asks if you'd given any thought to the issue of uh, financially supporting the pharmaceutical needs of individuals um, so that EI choices don't have to be made around um, you know, rent versus uh, important medications. Um, and then the second and related one is, did you give any consideration to extending benefits to workers who need to take time off work to provide care or support for family members who are suffering from illness? Um, we, uh, I mean, we considered everything, I would say. Yeah. Uh, uh, I didn't talk too much about uh, the process that we went through, and that's in the report. Uh, we uh, we uh, did a number of public consultations and had uh, a lot of meetings and uh, considered uh, uh, just about any option you could uh, think of. Um, the, uh, the question of uh, pharmaceuticals and uh, drug protection, I would say, is more relevant in the social assistance uh, discussion um, and the challenges um, that are created when individuals um, uh, collect a variety of benefits on social assistance that they wouldn't collect um, if they were in low-paid employment, and that creates issues um, uh, where the incentives for work aren't strong enough. And I think that's more a social assistance issue. Um, as for um, the, uh, the second issue, our bias throughout um, for the delivery of new social benefits and new elements of uh, the social policy architecture are to do it uh, through the tax system and outside of EI. Because what we discovered was no matter how much tinkering you can do with EI, there are going to be huge numbers of uh, workers who aren't covered. Um, we've proposed some modifications and some programs to help. 
Um, but the continuing burdening of EI, uh, narrowly defined as an insurance program that employers and employees pay um, to uh, protect them against um, unexpected job loss, the burdening of that program and the premium base of training money uh, uh, parental leave, uh, a variety of other things, um, not only makes the program way more complicated and difficult to uh, reform when reform is necessary, but it leaves more and more people out of that um, of those social benefits. So uh, tax credits for people who uh, need to take time off work to care for a loved one. I mean, our our instinct is much more on that side, which would allow all workers to benefit, um, all Canadians to benefit, uh, not just people within the EI umbrella. Um, but we don't discuss that in a lot of detail. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, the next question is with uh, regards to temporary foreign workers. Um, the question is, uh, why, why is it better to integrate them into the system instead of alternatives such as offering a refund um, that could all, perhaps be affected if one is leaving Canada, for example? Well, I think uh, one of our, our, we've had lots of discussions about the temporary foreign workers, and it seems to us uh, that because um, they, they are charged the employment insurance premium, it's problematic to remove that from the regime because then it unfairly incents employers to hire temporary foreign workers as opposed to others, and we didn't want to go down that route. So it seemed to us that the basic principle of fairness should apply that all temporary foreign workers who pay into the system should qualify for benefits. Uh, a refund, we haven't really dug down that deep into the question of what happens when a temporary foreign worker who's paid into the employment insurance fund actually leaves the country. Uh, because the, the system is geared towards people who are in the country, who are available and looking for work. And that's a principle that I think will continue to stand. Uh, I think in further discussions, we want to explore how we can dig a little deeper into this uh, temporary foreign worker issue. And if the question's coming from you, Dina, we would uh, love to have further discussions with you on it. I mean, <laughs> there, could, there are could, a few on that question, yeah. actually. Yeah. So if, <laughs> I, if, if I could add um, uh, one issue, I mean, our top line recommendation is that tempor temporary foreign workers should be treated fairly. Right. Yeah. We, as Ratna said, um, came down on the side that they should be fully integrated in part because um, increasingly in many parts of the country, particularly Western Canada, um, they're having their uh, permits renewed uh, successively over and over and they're staying in Canada looking for work at the encouragement of a lot of local provincial um, uh, organizations. So, um, uh, so they are behaving much more like other workers. Um, at the same time, um, it, it certainly would be possible to say uh, they shouldn't pay premiums for benefits they are not going to collect and so remove them entirely from the system. Uh, that is also an option and we, we speak for fairness, but I think we've come down on the side of, uh, of including them as Ratna said. Okay, last question and we have 60 seconds to answer it, um, but I love the beginning. Congratulations on your work and I think we'd all echo that. Um, did the task force look at the relationship between EI and pensions to reflect the need for Canadians who want to ease out of the workforce over a number of years? Uh, I would say that's an issue we didn't explore in a lot of detail at the end of the day. Um, that's an interesting question. Um, uh, perhaps I'll have my uh, all Moet Center will start a new task force tomorrow. <laughs> um, but what I would say is that we were conscious of issues around severance. 
Um, and so there are interactions between EI and severance um, where often long-tenured workers um, uh, uh, are able to get a significant severance package as their uh, employment winds down, um, sometimes as a bridge to a pension, and, um, and that creates uh, clawbacks in the EI regime, um, which seem unfair to long-tenured workers um, if, uh, if they're getting a severance package from uh, their employer. But um, we didn't look at the interaction, particularly with mm. the pensions issue. Well, homework for next week. <laughs> uh, well, thank you, everybody, for your questions. There are actually a, a number of fantastic questions in here, and I'm sorry I couldn't get to them all, but I will pass them along to Matthew so he can share them with his team. Um, I would now like to call on Nick Chambers uh, to formally thank our presenters. Nick. Thank you very much, Alison. On behalf of the Canadian Club of Toronto, I'd like to thank our panelists for sharing and amplifying the recommendations of the Mowat Centre's Employment Insurance Task Force. Mr. Romano, Ms. Omidvar, and Mr. Mendelssohn, the work you presented today clearly reflects the dedication and hard work of the Mowat Centre's researchers and authors and the leadership you provided them along the way. Canada is the prosperous and compassionate country it is today because of leaders like the three of you and because of our willingness as a nation to tackle challenging issues and right the course when need be. You have made a strong case for a nationally standardized support system for the unemployed. We trust your voices will be heard loudly and clearly in Ottawa and across the country. We're most pleased that you cho chose the Canadian Club of Toronto as the platform to deliver your remarks today. Thank you and best wishes from us all. Thank you, Nick. Uh, and thank you to our panel. Um, this concludes our television programming, which will be broadcast on Rogers Television in the days to come. Uh, we are grateful to Rogers TV and to uh, 680 News for their continued coverage of Canadian Club events. Um, to learn more about the Canadian Club and our upcoming events, please visit us at www.canadianclub.org. Thank you all for joining us. A special thanks to our panel and to everybody who contributed to this wonderful report. Uh, the meeting is now adjourned. Oh.